Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now, Lord, thank you that uh, we can just confess you and worship you as our Redeemer. And uh, just as we look at your word now, uh, we just ask that you would come and show us the kind of Redeemer that you are. Um, and uh, just come and remind us about the fact that you have redeemed us into something new and into something that is truly beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's time for the word now, and it's my privilege to share this with you. And uh, we are continuing with our series called The Beautiful One, where we look at Jesus, who is the beautiful one. Now, one of the things that uh, makes Jesus truly beautiful to me is the fact that he makes beautiful things. Now, we know that God has created the whole universe and he has created everything for and also through Jesus. But what I find truly spectacular about Jesus is that he's not only a creator, but he is a re-creator. He rewrites stories. If you think about it, God created the universe and he gave us freedom. And so with that freedom, we started writing our own stories, just like you and me are today sometimes still writing our own stories. But truth be told, we made a mess of it. You think about your own life, um, uh, you might have realized this, that if you are left over to your own devices, that you will make a mess and you will write a, sometimes a bad story. And this is who Jesus is. Jesus comes and he enters into history with this one purpose, to come and rewrite your story. For you, the story that you've made a mess of, Jesus can come and rewrite and rescript your destiny and come and redeem you. The best uh, image that I have to uh, maybe understand that is, is like, I don't know if you've ever walked on a beach and you see a piece of washed up driftwood. Now, we sometimes notice a piece of driftwood and we just walk past, but it only takes one carpenter or one artist to walk past and see the potential beauty in a piece of washed up driftwood like that. A carpenter or an artist that takes that driftwood home and forms something spectacular with it. And when he creates this beautiful piece of art or a piece of furniture that is useful again, and this piece of wood actually um, gains a, a certain um, a value and, and purpose again, when that happens, that artist or that carpenter is actually rewriting the script. He's rewriting the story and changing the destiny of that piece of driftwood. Now, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He comes and he redeems us and he rewrites our story. Now, the scripture that I want to share with you today is from John chapter 9. And it's a story where Jesus did exactly this. He came and rewrote a story for a blind man that was a beggar by the side of the road. A man that people just walked past and didn't recognize his value or any beauty in this man. Jesus saw this man and he redeemed him and established his beauty again and used him to display something of God's glory. And so in the story in John chapter 9, there is this man by the side of the road. Jesus stops and he speaks with his disciples. And this man was born blind, um, and his disciple sees this as a very unfortunate thing. And this man is sitting by the side of the road, and he's begging. And the disciples goes into this conversation about, you know, this poor man, um, you know, it's, it's such a pity. And, and they wonder, whose fault is this? Is it his own sin, or is it his, his parents' sin that has left him uh, in a place like, in a desperate place like this? 
Um, and they're sort of missing this person, but they're speaking about this person. Now, we do the same, right? Uh, if you drive uh, in the streets of our city, you see beggars on the side of the road. Now, we sometimes see them, but we don't love making eye contact with them or really, really uh, seeing them or seeing their worth or their value. And we, I, I always ask myself this question also, you know, whose fault is this? Uh, did this guy, uh, was it his own fault? Did he drink too much? Is that why, you know, he's uh, on the side of the street? Or is it because of his parents that he's here? Uh, but we never really do anything about it. We miss the person. Now, the disciples are also having this conversation, but they miss the person. But Jesus never misses you. He never just walks past. He never not sees you. I don't know if you've ever felt invisible. Now, this, this um, beggar was sitting on the side of the road, probably felt invisible. So many people just passing him, never speaking to him. But then Jesus, in this moment, he makes a point to the disciples when he says that I'm going to show you that even a life like this, a man that was born blind, sitting on the side of the road that is a beggar. Even a life like this can bring glory to me. I'm going to use this life to show something of my glory. And Jesus sees this person. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt like you are invisible. Maybe at your place of work, um, your colleagues or your boss uh, doesn't see you. Or they don't value you. They don't see the worth that you actually carry. Maybe you've recently just lost some friends or some friends have, been, um, not, have, have not been very close to you and you just feel very lonely and invisible. Maybe you feel labeled like this person. You see, the disciples labeled this person and they confined him to a certain label. They said, this is a man that was born blind and he's begging by the side of the road and that is basically all he is. Maybe this is not something about you. It's maybe something that you've done a mistake that you've, you've done maybe many years ago, and you still feel like the whole world is confining you to that one mistake, as they don't see you know, the full picture of who you are. You know what the beautiful thing is about the gospel and about Jesus? Is he sees you. He doesn't confine you to one label or one mistake that you made or the mess that you have made. Jesus sees who you are. He sees your value. He sees your worth and he wants to redeem you so that you see it also. Now, the thing about making beautiful things, um, we know that usually if you want to make something beautiful, what do you need? What do you need? If you want to make something beautiful, you need beautiful materials. If you want to make something truly spectacular, we usually try and find costly raw materials that we can make this beautiful thing. Um, it reminds me of, of King Solomon. He was a famous king in the Old Testament, and he wanted to build a temple for God. And in order to build this majestic temple for God that, that would bring honor and glory to God, he decided to only use the most costly raw materials. And so he imported timber. Um, uh, it was uh, cypress and, and um uh, a cedar timber that he imported because he wanted the most costly timber for that time. He imported gold. And they even say that at this time, something like silver wasn't even considered because he only wanted to use the best, the most beautiful raw material to build this temple for God. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he makes beautiful things, but not with beautiful material. He doesn't use the best raw material. He uses messy things. He uses things like me and you to build something truly spectacular. 
we know that Jesus is actually referred to as the ultimate priest, and he's also the final priest, and uh, uh, he's the fulfillment of all of the prophets. He's also the final prophet. And then Jesus is also the fulfillment of all of the kings from the Old Testament. He is the final king. And so Jesus is actually the better Solomon. And so what's the difference between Solomon and Jesus? Solomon came wanting to build a temple for God with perfect raw material. Jesus comes and he also builds a temple for God, but one that is even far more beautiful because he uses something that's actually more precious, even though it looks messy. He uses you and me. I mean, the New Testament is full of scripture saying that we are the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, for, uh, for we are the temple of the living God. God is making a temple with us. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to redeem us. And, and then he makes something beautiful with us so that God actually wants to come and make his home inside of us. But you know, the thing is that sometimes the way in which God does this, the way in which Jesus comes and redeems you and rewrites your story, sometimes it's not in the way that you want him to do it. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. And so in verse 6 of this story, um, it goes on. So Jesus is about to do this miracle with this man that, that has been born blind. And he says, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the with the saliva, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now that's an interesting miracle. I mean, Jesus is the son of God. He could have healed him in any way. He could have just prayed for him and say, be healed. But then Jesus decides to spit in the ground, make mud and rub it on his eyes. Now, just quickly spare a thought for this blind man. I mean, he couldn't see at that moment, but he could hear. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, but in order to make mud, you don't just spit like once, right? You need a lot of spit. And so this man was standing here and he was hearing Jesus collecting all of the spittle or the saliva in his mouth to make this mud. And can you just imagine standing in front of Jesus and you hear Jesus just collecting all the spit right at the back of the throat? You know that noise, I'm not going to make it now. But to get the good stuff to make some proper mud, you know, it would have been disgusting, to be honest. And then Jesus makes this mess in the ground and he uses that. This man doesn't run away. I probably would have said, no, thanks, I'm good. But this man doesn't run away. He allows Jesus to do his work. He allows the artist to make a masterpiece. Now, I think there's two things that we can learn from that scripture. The one is that God loves the mess. You see, I think there is a reason why Jesus chose to do this miracle in this way. He could have just prayed for him or just kissed his eyes or, you know, just touched his eyes and he would have been healed. But Jesus decided to do it in this way. And I think he was making a point because he's still in this conversation with his disciples. It's still part of this conversation of saying, I'm going to show you this man that you are writing off and labeling, thinking that he doesn't have, have, have value. Oh, shame, this poor man that was born blind. You know, this man that you are confining, I'm going to show you that this man has got worth and beauty in him. He's still speaking to his disciples about that one uh, uh, sentence still. As he's making this mess, 
It is actually a metaphor for this man that he's about to heal. It is a metaphor that Jesus is saying, I love working with the mess. I love working with the ugly things in you. You see, we don't have to try and get ourselves clean before God works with us. We need to allow him to work with the mess. You see, the time when you feel the furthest from God that you've ever felt, that is the time when God does his best work in you, when he works with the mess. When you feel lonely, that's when God does his best work. When you feel hopeless, that's when God does his best work. When you've messed up completely, that's when Jesus comes in and he does his best work in your mess. God loves the mess. The second thing we should learn from this is that we should not prescribe to God as to how he should work in us. This blind man didn't come to God and tell him how he should heal him. He just came and allowed Jesus to use spit and make mud and heal him in that way. So oftentimes we want God to work in a certain way in us. Sometimes the way in which God works in your life is different to the way that you want him to work. You see, sometimes you've got problems, you've got a mess, and you want God to take away those problems. But then sometimes God wants to come and work in those problems. He wants to come and do something in your life because we need to trust the artist that he knows what he's doing. Maybe we should stop trying to be perfect raw material and allow God to work with the mess. And maybe we should start trusting the artist as he starts doing something in us. Now the last verse just goes on and saying the other people, after this man was healed, they had a huge argument about was this the real guy or is it just someone that looks like him? Is this really the blind guy that we saw on the side of the road? You know what, what's beautiful about that verse is that he was unrecognizable to the world around him. When God gets a hold of you, he does a work in you that you become unrecognizable to the world around you, that they don't see the driftwood anymore because they just see this beautiful thing that God has created in you. I want to end off with this uh, story. I've got a friend, and uh, this is exactly what happened to him. It's also actually what happened to me. But many years ago, this guy, um, he was a mess. I knew him from primary school, high school, university, and he was the guy that was drinking the most, and he got into like bar fights the whole time, disrespecting ladies. He was just a total mess. I remember one day we were playing rugby and after the rugby game, one of my friends that was a Jesus follower and this guy was just swearing and fighting in the game. Afterwards, he told the guy, you know what? Jesus loves you. And then he wanted to punch my friend because he told him Jesus loves you. He was so offended by that. And so this guy was a total mess. But then later on, this guy got saved. God got a hold of this guy. And he worked in his mess. And he became so unrecognizable that people just kept on saying, but this is impossible. We know who you are. This is not who you are. His own cousin, three years after he got saved, still told him, I know this is not really who you are because I grew up with you. I know who you really are. Now, I spoke to him a couple of months ago, and this is about nine or ten years after he got saved. And you know what was fascinating? Is it feels like He's still changing. He's still becoming more and more beautiful. He's still becoming more and more like Jesus. You know why? 
Because this guy didn't stop after Jesus did a beautiful thing with him and made him unrecognizable. He allowed God to keep on changing him. And today he's even more in love and even more Christ-like than he was at first. Now this is the challenge I want to throw to you. Is that if you are in your mess, allow God to come and work with your mess. But allow God to continue to work in your mess. In every situation, every season of your life. Cry out to God and say, uh, ask God, God, what do you want to do with me? Don't prescribe to God as to how he wants to work in your life, but allow him to change you from one degree of glory to another as he be, it makes you more and more like Christ. May you understand that when you are at your worst, God is at his best. When you are at your weakest, God is at his strongest. When you feel like you are in a mess, the artist, the beautiful one, comes and creates beautiful things. Allow him to come and do that in your life. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are willing to work with us in our mess. Thank you that we know that we can just come like we are with all of our mess, God, and allow you to come and do a beautiful thing in us. God, I want to ask just as a church, God, that you would, would co uh, continue to work in us, God, that we would keep on coming back to you and allow you to keep on changing us, that we become more and more and more like you, Jesus. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.